Hello and welcome to a special preview episode of the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi, back after a vast sojourn. And I'm Chris Delano, who they just cannot get rid of no matter how hard they try. And boy, have they tried. Actually, we haven't. Uh, Jay is the one we keep trying to get rid of. <laughs> but uh, hey, yeah. hey, that's good news. We're getting rid of him for a while because he's like having a baby. Uh, yeah, good for him. I mean, I don't like kids, so, you know, good for him. If that's what he wants to do, go. go. Yeah, awesome. Uh, instead, uh, we kind of have our own uh, little children of our own here, courtesy of Wizards of the Coast. This is, well, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want these kids. <laughs> Well, one of them's kind of cute. I would I would adopt one of these cards as long as I just keep uh, things out of my graveyard. The other one, I don't I don't want to be on the other side of the one. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have two free preview cards for Midnight Hunt, courtesy of Wizards of the Coast. So, uh thank y'all over at Watsy for that. And uh uh so today's the last day of Midnight Hunt previews. That was kind of a quick one. Uh quick preview mm-hmm. season. Hopefully that'll give us some some time and space between uh the start of crimson bow previews later this year and uh we are gonna do flavor gems soon eventually uh not next week but probably the week after um we'll see we might wait until the story's over i don't know we'll get there we haven't figured that out yet scheduling's in the future i live in the present (laughs) (laughs) Except we're recording this before this episode releases, so we Sorry about the it. previews previews are over today, and we've seen all of the cards by now, and uh, we love all of them. Uh, there might be one that we hate, uh, we don't know yet, but we will figure out when uh, this is released. So just imagine whichever card you hate the most is the one we also hate. Sure, uh, <laughs> we can we can just make timey wimey statements like that. Yeah. Also, really exciting thing, Midnight Hunt is continuing the pattern of web fiction. We've got a weekly story every Wednesday and a weekly side story every Friday so far. Uh, the first, the main story is being written by Kay Arsenault Rivera. It is incredible. Uh, she's an incredible author. And the first side story is also out and uh, was written by a name that we didn't have in the script because we wrote the script before it was released. So, uh, definitely go check those out. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a continuous story over both sets, so that's exciting. Uh, kind of like an old two-set block like we had uh, in the Gatewatch era. So, a little, little story fans of that era expect similar kind of, of story uh, structure. So, uh, excited... For all y'all to figure out what happens uh, in these sets, uh, I think the story for, for Innistrad this time around is really neat. But uh, uh, while we are going to take a quick little break to mention uh, the Boom Studios comics are still running. Uh, those have nothing to do with Innistrad Midnight Hunt, but they're really great. Uh, we had Jed McKay on the show a couple weeks ago to talk about uh, issue number five, which was you know the big revelation of who the big bad is in this first arc. And issue six is currently out. And we are going to catch you all up with what uh, the comic is doing probably next month. Uh, and, um, we, you know, we have a couple episodes uh, to talk about that before this whole main arc is finished. And so we're really excited about that. They're also about to get their first one shot, uh, which is all about Tezzeret, um, written by Margaret Scott. So um, that's an exciting thing to look out for soon. Yeah, uh, but we should move on to talking about Midnight Hunt. So... 
Uh, a little background for those of you who only listen to our podcast and follow nothing else about magic. Uh, Midnight Hunt is set on Innistrad. It is uh, the story is that uh, Innistrad's nights are getting longer and longer. So the werewolves and other creatures on the of the night are on a path to basically total domination. Uh, the humans have gathered together under the banner of Sagarda and also some of their old uh, pre-Avicinian rituals uh, and are fighting back against the dark. We have the Dawnheart Coven, which are these warlocks with connections and magic linked back to the old ways. Uh, they're also sort of organized under Sagarda, which is very interesting. At least that's what we know so far. Uh, and they're planning this massive ritual to stop this curse of never-ending night. We know that Arlen Cord. The werewolf planeswalker and native of Innistrad has reached out to other planeswalkers for help, uh, enlisting, of course, Teferi, the master of time himself, to help slow down this march to the unending darkness. Uh, but standing in their way, we've also got these dire werewolves who are led by Tovalar, uh, who is the head of the Mondronan pack. And they are, um, so the, the these werewolves are big. They're very big boys. They are very big bad boys. Don't like them at all. Uh, they are very happy to disrupt this ritual because they want the night to take over forever. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really loving what we're doing with Innistrad. We are back to more of the gothic horror feels over the cosmic horror we had last time. And uh, except, you know, we have some twists. Abyssin is gone. Sigurd is taken over as the, the leading archangel in the religion. But we also have this kind of return to paganism. Um, there are vague real-world parallels between the way Innistrad handles religion um, and in the way that uh, Protestantism and Catholicism um, overtook a lot of local religions in Europe. And uh, we're getting to play with that a little bit more and learn about some some of the things that humans have done for the uh, thousands of years before Avicen existed. You know, she she was only created a thousand years ago. And so uh, we're getting a lot of mix of cultural things, uh, and and that's always exciting uh, for me when we re revisit planes and uh, get to kind of delve deeper into worlds that we already know and love and, and excavate more out of them. Well, why don't you talk about the mechanics that we yeah, so be excited for? We've got some new mechanics and some returning mechanics. For, for the new mechanics... Uh, we've got Daybound and Nightbound. I'm really not sure what you would use to describe those. They're, they're a linked mechanic, so they're a play on the original werewolf mechanic. Uh, but this time, they only look at one player casting spells, and they uh, ensure your permanents stay in sync. Uh, so the way it works, if you cast no spells on your turn, the next turn becomes Nightbound. And then uh, if you cast two spells on your turn, the next turn becomes Daybound. And all of your permanents either enter the battlefield or transform to their corresponding daybound and nightbound sides. Uh, some permanents will have effects that care about if it's nightbound, night or day. Uh, some of them will have effects that happen when it changes. So it's a really cool uh, play on the werewolf mechanic that adds sort of new depth to it, but also ensures that you don't have a bunch of humans and werewolves on your side of the board at the same time. They're either all humans or all werewolves. Uh, we've also got the Coven ability word, which is this word that's shared between the Warlocks and these other practitioners of this old way of magic, uh, and also Sigarda herself. Uh, the Coven ability word looks at having three or more creatures with different powers. So that means, you know, power like having two power, three power, four power, not powers like, you know, lifelink and death touch and stuff, but like actual power values, uh, and then gives you a bonus based off of that. And then we have Disturb, 
which is a really new, cool way to cast permanents from your graveyard, but they enter the battlefield transformed. So this is like the spirit mechanic. Uh, it's really cool. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like a, a, a flashback for creatures. Yeah, in in a way that like Unearth was like flashback but temporary. This is like flashback but more permanent, where you just get to cast the creature again, except it's better. It is uh it's neat. Yeah, and then uh, for the returning mechanic mechanics, we have flashback, which is kind of like disturbed, but for instance and sorceries. Uh, it's very popular. You've probably played with it before. It lets you cast incense and sorceries from your graveyard for a flashback cost and then exiles them. Uh, and then we have Investigate, which is only like on a few cards, apparently. Like they said, it's a very low number, but it is one of the favorite mechanics from Shadows Over Innistrad. It is one of my favorite mechanics of all time. It lets you create your little clue to tokens and sacrifice them to draw cards. Uh, and then the biggest returning mechanic, which is sort of the subject of our preview cards, is Transform. Yeah, we've had a year of um, uh, uh, MDFC's mobile double-face cards uh, where you can play one side or the other. Uh, we are going back to transforming double-face cards where you play the front side and then it becomes the back side. And sometimes in this set, vice versa. We have a lot of werewolf cards that transform back and forth. Uh, so that is a... Uh, God, I remember when those... Uh, debuted in the original Innistrad and they were it was deal. it magic had never done anything with the back of the card before what do you mean it doesn't have a magic card back how are you going to handle this and there was panic and you know magic is ruined forever and it turns out it actually is just one of the more popular mechanics of all time uh and a deeply rich well of design space and so uh, uh i guess the doomsayers were slightly wrong on that one but I'm always, I'm always glad to see Transform back. We saw some novel uses for it in um, Shadows of Innistrad and Eldritch Moon. Uh, Eldritch Moon especially. We had uh, DFCs that we had the meld cards. Um, but we we kind of going back to the DFC bread and butter that Innistrad introduced. It's a little return home. Yeah, my, my favorite little thing about the Transform cards from original Innistrad is that it actually revolutionized the card sleeve market. It is. Uh, it used to be very hard to find card sleeves that had opaque backs on them, and now it's almost impossible to find card sleeves that don't have an opaque back. So, absolutely changed the entire uh, market for card sleeves. So, uh, we've got two preview cards, and like I said, both of them have transform, uh, but neither of them have the sort of marquee transform mechanics. They don't have dawn, day brown, day brown. Uh, they don't have Daybound or Nightbound. They don't have uh, the uh, Disturb mechanic. Uh, neither of them are werewolves. Uh, and they're both uncommons. So uh, do you want to start us off and talk about this yeah, first preview? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things I always like about Mark Rosewater's teasers, set teasers, is that he'll sometimes like say ridiculous things. So like uh, when the original Zendikar came out, uh, there was a teaser for it that was like, oh, we have a one mana 13-13, which is uh, Death Shadow. Um, uh, I forget which specific set in that block it was in, uh, but, you know, Death Shadow was a card that existed, and people were like, one mana 13-13, that's better than Phyrexian Dreadnought. How can this be? And it, it turns out the card is actually just better than Phyrexian Dreadnought by a lot. But, um, so, not to, like... We don't have a card that's that powerful, but we do have a one mana six six, uh, <laughs> sort of. Uh, so uh, I would, everyone say hello to Death Bonnet Sprout for uh, one one for one green creature fungus at the beginning of your upkeep. Mill a card. 
Then, if there are three or more creature cards in your graveyard, transform Deathbonnet Sprout. Uh, this kind of, uh, if there are three or more creature cards in your graveyard, um, creature cards of the graveyard has been a recurring Innistrad theme uh, in this set. Looks like it's back in black and green. Uh, so this is this is a card that kind of goes right into that theme. And so when it transforms, uh, we no longer have a tiny little cute Death Bonnet Sprout, but we have the mighty Death Bonnet Hulk, which is a fungus horror and a 3-3. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile a card from your graveyard. If a creature card was exiled this way, put a plus one, plus one counter on Death Bonnet Hulk. So it takes three creatures to transform, which means once you do transform it, you have theoretically three creatures for it to eat and that means you're like minimum looking at a 6-6 six, six for G which is slow uh, but you know it, <laughs> it's slow despite what the flavor text on Death Bonnet Hulk would tell you which is they grow up so fast uh, and this is uh, art on both sides by uh, Philip Berberin who's been doing some really fantastic magic art for a while now and uh, we so we got a really really cute mushroom pal and a really creepy fungus monster and uh, on on one card and this is just like a delightful case of oh here's here's a tiny little mushroom and then when it eats enough dead stuff it can continue eating more dead stuff uh, you know it finds a meal uh, to eat and and gets bigger and scary. Uh, eventually, it stops eating dead stuff and just starts eating your opponent. Um, I I love this card. I love the art on the front of it. I love the fact that it's a fungus horror, which was one of Mark Rosewater's teasers for this set. So you can cross that off your list for those of you playing at home. Uh, I also love the fact that having three or more creature cards in your graveyard is not that hard anymore. We we had a long span of time where it was like all of your mill cards were instants and sorceries. But like a lot of the best self-mill cards now are just creatures that enter the battlefield and put things in your graveyard. So if you're playing a deck full of creatures and all of them mill you, uh, you can turn this into a 3-3 pretty reliably, at least on turn three. It's basically Delver of Secrets. Yeah, it's basically Delver. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this card has some constructed playable uh, potential. Uh, the next card I don't think has a lot of constructed playable potential, but holy crap, is it going to be uh, fun to play Unlimited? It, it's... it's it's yeah. it's really good trope space. Uh, if if you are familiar with like classic horror movies, um, by classic I mean like eighties here. Um, <laughs> but uh, if if you are familiar with like some some slasher movie tropes, uh, this one is going to be familiar. So Chris, tell us about this card. Our next preview card is Vengeful Strangler. It is a two one human rogue for one in a black. It cannot block, and when Vengeful Stranger dies, you return it to the battlefield transformed under your control. Attached to target creature or planeswalker, an opponent controls. Uh, it has incredibly creepy art by Sean Silvestri. Uh, if you look at this art, it is a obviously sort of crazed, deranged man staring directly at you as he hangs from a pillar as fire consumes him from below. It is it is uh, some creepy art. It's not the creepiest art we've seen from, from Innistrad so far, but well, this, it is this set absolutely really... terrifying. Oh yeah, this, this set has uh, this is good flavor text too. As the flames consume the killer, his eyes remained fixed on the executioner's face, his hands twitching like angry spiders. If you like Evil Dead, uh, Evil Dead 2, uh, uh, and, and, and such, and, and Ash's uh, cursed hand, yeah, uh, we, we hit in some tropes here. It is uh, it is terrifying, and it only gets creepier because it transforms into 
Vengeful Grasp, which is an enchantment aura with enchant creature or planeswalker and opponent controls, which we know, as the, the front card said, uh, but then at the beginning of your upkeep, Enchanted Permanence Controller sacrifices a non-land permanent and loses one life. The flavor text reads, The next day, the Executioner was found with ashen handprints on his throat. So uh, this uh, this Vengeful Strangler came back from the dead in some way well, and took out I mean, the Executioner. In a Vengeful Grasp way. <laughs> Uh, you know, th- this this is another card where, like, the naming conventions on uh, DFCs is, especially the ones that transform, are, are, are neat because we get to link them together. Vengeful Strangler, Vengeful Grasp. Uh, this is the hands from beyond, beyond oh, it's the not, fire. Oh, it's not, we misread it. It's not Vengeful Grasp. It's Strangling Grasp, which strangling is even grasp. better. Oh, yes. so you mistyped it. I think, you know, don't, strangling grasp. don't, I don't see. call me out. You're setting me up for <laughs> failure. Wouldn't be my first time. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, it is a great name for the card. It's incredibly flavorful mechanics and, uh, you're going to play this two one and you're going to keep attacking your opponent until they have to kill it. And when they kill it, it's just going to come back for revenge. Yeah. Uh, if you like Twin Peaks, uh, I'm not going to spoil much about Twin Peaks because if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it because David Lynch is weird and you should watch his work. And Twin Peaks is just bizarre and a huge cultural influence on horror in the 90s. And just a lot of things in the 90s. If you like surreal horror, uh, Twin Peaks is going to be one of your paragons of that genre. And uh, this card is kind of like right out of there too. But uh, yeah, uh, so the, these these are great, wonderful, flavorful, top-down kind of designs. Uh, which is like what Innistrad is really known for. It was the set that proved that top-down design can work for magic in a, in a way where, you know, where Kamigawa failed at being a top-down set, uh, Innistrad really succeeded and and really set magic R&D on a course for better marrying um, mechanical design and creative design in order to make cohesive resonant sets. Uh, we've seen a lot of the successes of Innistrad um, since uh, between uh, sets like Theros, uh, and um, blanking Amonkhet, the desert one. Uh, <laughs> and the return of, to Theros. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and the return to Theros. Uh, but sets like Kaldheim, like we're still we're still getting these top down sets. Uh, and Innistrad is really what kicked that off for the modern era and, and proved that it is not only something that can be done, but something that can really succeed and thrive in a way that uh, nobody in the magic community really thought it could before. Um, and and we thank Innistrad for that. It's one of the things that makes it one of the most beloved planes in uh, Magic history. And it feels weird that it's 10 years old. I don't like that. <laughs> um, but so we have just like two more cards that just get added to the slew of wonderful, flavorful card design from the set. And Midnight Hunt itself is just full of so many more. Um, I was surprised at how many things that the first sets didn't get to that that we have uh, the first sets i mean like we've had five sets on this plane and we are still hitting tropes that we haven't hit yet and i think that's cool as hell uh i lo- i love horror and uh, there's just so much resonance there and uh, i'm 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 just excited that we get to be in Innistrad on halloween i love halloween we're uh we're hitting a lot of the so the the first Innistrad set hit a lot of the gothic horror second Innistrad sets hit a lot of the eldritch horror uh, this one is hitting, I feel, a lot of the horror movie tropes. So uh, definitely could see a film about the 
the vengeful strangler and his strangling grasp that keeps killing the people who killed him. Uh, it could happen. So um, that's just an idea. If anyone wants to make that movie, you can uh, credit me and send me a check. I don't think you get to claim credit <laughs> here because you you are not you are not a designer on on this set, and I I'm pretty sure. What is Watsy gonna do? Was, come at me? Are they are they gonna are they gonna come serve me a lawsuit? I'm pretty sure their lawyers are more powerful than yours. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is absolutely true. Uh, but yeah, these are our two preview cards. I I think they're awesome. I love getting uh, these free preview cards from Wizards of the Coast, especially when they're so incredibly flavorful. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of flavorful, I love eating mushrooms. So Death Bonnet Sprout, God, let, big flavor yeah. win. I, uh, mushrooms are really delicious. I know a lot of people don't like them because they have a weird texture. I personally really like their texture. Um, and I, yeah, no, mushrooms are great. Uh, I, I would, I would eat this mushroom. If you, uh, if you, <laughs> if you want to post pictures of your favorite mushroom-related food, uh, you can join us on our Discord server. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get us a good segue. A good segue. Um, um, well, if if you do like the flavorful things in Magic, like we do, uh, we would love for you to be part of our Borthos Cast community. Uh, so if you head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheBorthosCast and support us today, you can get access to our Discord community, where Borthos is from around the world. Some of them eat mushrooms, some of them don't. Uh, but you know, we love we love sharing our foodstuffs with each other and talking about Magic lore, and we're very excited for the comic series. Uh, God, we have. The Netflix show comes out next year. Uh, we're all kind of girding ourselves for that. We all miss Gideon uh, and are excited to see him pal around with Jace and whoever else shows up. And we just have like a great group of folks there that we would love for you to be a part of. Uh, so uh, thank you everyone for listening to our uh, Midnight Hunt free preview episode. And uh, good luck in all your pre-releases when they happen. And I hope you're enjoying this set and this set story as much as we are. So thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.